Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. And they have done that. Interest rates are now targeted between three and three and a quarter. And essentially what that means is that the Fed wants to continue to make it more expensive to borrow on those types of products you just outlined, like credit cards, like mortgages, like auto loans. And the message from the Federal Reserve, it's not done yet. It is not. Not by a long shot. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, good to be with you. The Federal Reserve making their announcement Another three quarters of a percentage point, and they are not done. There was a conversation about whether or not they'd go up a full point. My argument was one of politics. There is no way the administration would want the Fed to go up a full point psychologically. That would be abusive just five weeks before, five and a half weeks, six weeks before a midterm election. You can argue to me that the Fed isn't political, and I would say to you, <laughs> yeah, Right. They're, they're not. Dr. Matt Will joins us, economist, University of Indianapolis, Dr. Matt Will, W-I-L-L, Dr. Matt Will, on the Twitter box. Now, it, this has all just been announced. Uh, it was it was the 2 p.m. Eastern. That's when the information is, is going to happen. The information is out. The federal funds rate is now at a range of three to three and a quarter percent. This is what you expected. Uh I assume this is what the markets expected, even though uh, at the latest, the Dow has cratered over 250 points. It's now uh, uh, down 203. The Nasdaq is down 98. Uh, your first take. Well, my first take is that while the market thought it was going to do this, they didn't think it was going to be this strong because they raised their target rate, Tony, from 34 to 4.4%, a 1% increase. So their target, what they're shooting for, an entire 1% increase. That's a huge deal. That's why the market went from being up 160 points to being down 200 within minutes, because this was bigger than the market expected. Yeah, between the time the announcement came and literally right now, that's when this uh, shifted. Uh, According to the people at CNBC, the Fed is forecasting hiking rates as high as 4.6%. Now, what gets confusing, doctor, is that 4.6% is the uh, Fed rate different than rates we would pay on, let's say, cars or or a house. We already see housing at a number like 6% on a 30-year fixed. So when you have a a targeted rate of 4.5%, 4.6%, where does that, is there a calculation that, okay, if that, then that's, this is where it puts housing, this is where it puts automobile purchases? Yes, Tony. The formula is pretty simple. It's Fed funds rate plus expected inflation plus the profit margin. So the banks are out there, and they're going to have to make a profit, of course. That's why they're in business, even though the socialists would like them to eliminate that profit motive. Um, The fact is that they're going to make their profits. They're going to have to factor in inflation, and the expected inflation, Tony, is now up. This announcement says the Fed believes inflation will be higher. They said they don't anticipate inflation coming down in their report until 2024. Yeah, so so this falls in line with, you know, it's so funny. People, I think, are reading this and going, oh, my gosh, but we've all been talking about this. This falls in line with the Bank of England. This falls yep. in line with, I think, what we just saw from Sweden and how they're raising uh, their rate. We've been kind of expecting this, but this is a shock uh, to other people. Uh, why do you think it's going to take uh, so long? Is this a conversation about no faith in supply chain, or is this a conversation about U.S. spending uh, in total? Uh, Tony, the, the topic, there's three topics here, spending, 
spending, and spending. Oh, I thought there were only two spending topics. I didn't realize there was a third one. (laughs) They're all the topic here, Tony. The supply chain is a bogus argument that the president's been using. Supply chain is bad, but it merely shifts your spending. So you spend more money on A and less money on B. But the fact that the federal government is spending money by printing money, that is the problem. The spending, the spending, the spending. Germany, Tony, people don't even realize inflation is going nowhere. Germany had a 40% plus producer price inflex in, in, in index coming out this week. 40, this is the lowest inflation country in the history of modern economics, and they had a 40% increase in their producer prices. Inflation is here, Tony. It's here. So now let me give you a couple of pieces of data that that came over the transom today. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis, Dr. Matt Will, W-I-L-L, Dr. Matt Will on the Twitter box. And we start with that even though uh, a 30-year fixed is over 6% right now uh, on that interest rate, we also saw more applications last week. They actually went up in the same exact breath. There are stories that existing home sales drop in August to the lowest level since 2020. So it would make sense. Interest rates are going up. Housing uh, sales are, are going down. And then all of a sudden you see this this jump. Is, is this because people are saying, well, we better get it now before this interest rates go to 10%? Tony, that's exactly the reason. In in the world of mortgage-backed securities, it's a little nerdy, but there's a thing called a PSA rating, which has to do with the um, prepayment and application on loans, mortgage loans. And it is typical that there's a surge before a market-anticipated increase. And that's what you saw. All of us knew this was going to happen, and so people rushed to get a cheaper mortgage. But how long do you think that lasts? Like, is there a a calculus involved? Is is there a – people are going to – try their best, and then eventually they're going to say, okay, we're done. Is there a moment where they say, all right, we've done the best we can here. It's over. Because it would seem, only, only, I only ask, and I don't mean to like answer my own question. It would seem that the people who are doing this are, are in a level of desperation. Or is there something else I'm missing? No, no, Tony. You, you, know, you, you could probably come teach uh, the lecture that I give on mortgage-backed securities because you, you, you said it perfectly. There is a point at which people just get frustrated and throw up their hands, and the history is about 2%, 2%, so about 200 basis point increase. So we're getting close to the point where people are going to throw up their hands and say, it's too high. i got to get out of here. But we're not there yet, but we're getting there. Now let's take a look at how it affects all the other things because the in, in the interest rate increase is to fight inflation. You argue that this is a statement that says inflation is here to stay. 2024, as we've seen from Bank of England and, and others, I guess the question is, if it's here to stay, is it here to stay and hold? Is it here to stay and rise? What does the move here and the, and the setting of the federal, federal funds rate to 4.6%, that's the objective now, which means they're going to have Another point and a half of increases uh, that that are coming, a point and a quarter, a point and a half. What is the goal to be at what number for what period of time before they believe inflation comes down? You know, they don't tell us how long it is, Tony, but they did say and they were very clear in their statement that they're going to take it up and then hold it there and make sure that inflation is low. They have a target inflation rate, not a target Fed funds rate. Yeah, it's four point six percent. But that's not what they're shooting for. They're shooting for inflation to be below 2%. That's their goal. And until it gets below 2%, Tony, they're going to keep jacking up rates. And I think part of what they did here 
was they wanted to send a signal to the federal government that you need to control your spending because they were not shy. This is a this is a a killer of a, of a report that came out, Tony. They're finally admitting what the Bank of England has been admitting, like you said. We have been slow to the game. The Federal Reserve Board didn't admit what they, the mistake they made last year until it was too late, and they've been slow to fix the problem, and now they're finally jumping on it. It's, it's not too little too late, but it is late. There was a, a series of people talking today, and I, and I, I wasn't able to – I mean, I'm doing a show. I can't always get to everything – um, about something crossing four percent today, there was a there was a a, a yeah. moment where uh, one one of the indices was was four percent. I didn't catch what indice it was, and I, here it is: two year Treasury yields top four percent, and people were screaming about it. I'm like, all right, I'm a schmuck. I don't know what this means. What does this mean? This is the two year Treasury. It's the risk. It's the risk free investment of the world is Treasury bonds, and. There's the, the, the one-year, the three-year, the two-year, the five-year, the 10-year. The 10-year is the benchmark. The two-year yield. So if you loan money to the federal government, Tony, they're paying you 4% for, two year, for a two-year loan. That is the highest it's been. You can, you can go back years. This is the highest it's been in a decade plus. But that's, not, that's bad, Tony. That's bad. But what's worse is the two-year rate is higher than the 10-year rate. That is dangerous. That's called an inverted yield curve. Tony, let your listeners answer this simple question. If I pay you a higher interest rate to invest for two years than 10, where are you going to invest? For two I'm going to invest for two years. So guess where? You think anybody's making long-term investments right now? No, they're not. That's the problem. And Wait, that's so by Joe Biden and the Democrats and the spending and the spending and the spending. So here's a I'm going to ask you a dumb question, which is not in 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 your world. Uh, this is an investment conversation. So we've talked about what do you do with cash right now, and over the past year, you have been discussing go buy things, go buy the car, go buy the luxury watch, buy the 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 thing because it has more of a chance to have value uh, going forward, right? It's better than cash, which is going yeah. to become more and more valueless because it's going to take more cash to buy things. You might as well buy the things now. Are you somebody who looks at this and says, "Yeah, I guess I would tell people to buy uh, to your treasury bonds." No, I would not buy two-year treasury bonds. But if I had an allocation in my portfolio to bonds, Tony, I would move it into two years. If I had to have some bonds, which senior citizens do, retirees do, they have a portion of fixed income for safety. They need to. I would move that money into shorter duration. That's what we call it, shorter duration investments, and two years much more than 10. But you know what, Tony? I would still buy a used car, and I would invest in it. I got a letter today in the mail. I opened it up. Someone wants to buy my car at a premium. You in, so there when the last report came out that showed a 0.1 percent increase in inflation, 0.6 percent uh, on the core CPI consumer price index. One of the things that we saw was that. Uh, Used car prices went down, uh, to utilize Joe Biden's words, an inch. It went down uh, a little bit. I think it was 0.1%. Uh, are we seeing a, a um, the, the used car market saying, okay, we, we've, we've hit our number in terms of there's just no more place to go up. The people are only going to buy so much at these interest rates. The same, car, the same conversation about housing, now about used cars or new cars. 
You know, Tony, you're, you, I like how you snuck in that uh, asking me for a forecast. I like how you sneak that in because I don't like to do those forecasts. I know, but I, but I keep asking because one day it will come to be. <laughs> but I will tell you this. I, I met this week with a owner of car dealerships in town. I don't have permission to use his name. And his opinion was the used and the new car market is hot. It's still like printing money if you own a dealership and especially if you own a used car dealership. So I think that was a blip that you saw in the report, Tony, and that used cars are still hot. So, so there are no deals for me to get at this moment? Go get any deal you can, Tony, because I think it's going to get a good investment. But you know what? If you can get a 65 convertible Mustang, though, I'll, I'll buy it from you. Wait, first of all, a 65? <laughs> of course. Uh, see, see, my problem is, is that a I need air conditioning. I, 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 Daddy knows what he likes. Secondly, I live in Indiana. I get to use a convertible nine times a year. I don't see the value. It's an investment, Tony, and it's a classic. It's a classic. Come on. Can Lee I go I with a seventy-one Cutlass? No, no, no. Lee Iacocca invented two cars in his career. He invented the Ford Mustang and he invented the the minivan. Shows you what time of his life he was when he did those two things. You're the, you're, you are sometimes not fun, sir. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. More is coming up. And find everything, TonyCats.Locals.com. Keep it right here. Many congratulations to Trace Gallagher, who I've never met Trace he, he is Fox News, and he comes out of uh, the Los Angeles Bureau. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. In my days living in L.A., when I would do Fox, I, I don't think I ever did the show with him. I don't think. I, I Maybe he hosted a show that I was a guest on. Maybe. I can't, I can't recall. But they just announced that he will be the next anchor of Fox News at night. So he's taking over for Shannon Bream, who got Fox News Sunday. He has been there since 1996. That's unbelievable. He's been the breaking news anchor for for forever. And he now, 30 years, has his own show. I'm sorry. You want to talk about paying the dues? You want to talk about paying the dues? That's, That's it right there. That is the, dang. Other people expect things to happen so quick. They expect it to happen so quick, so fast. I just got started. Why don't I have a show? Why don't I have this? Why don't I have that? Because the world doesn't work that way, baby. It doesn't work that way. It's like when 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 people say to me, "Oh man, you're you're gonna get you're just seconds away from getting a show on Fox." No, no, I'm not. I I am never ever getting a show on Fox. It's that's not the way it's gonna go. I'm not angry about it. I understand it. It 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 is it is just the way it is. There are fifteen shows. There are fifteen hosts. Now maybe there's actually less. Maybe there's a touch more. But you get my point. Everybody and their mother's going after that stuff, dude. Why can't I just do more stuff here? It's, it's all I'm trying to do. The video series I have, the, the, the cigar show I want to I build, everything else. I just keep trying to make this point to people that it doesn't, it doesn't work the way you think it should work. 
And sometimes the people you think are going to get things, they don't. Sometimes the people you're like, who in the world, they do. And just, all right. But if, if you decide that your whole world is nothing but but Fox, and without Fox, you're not, you're not you know, a real entity, well, I, I have no idea how you're ever, ever going to be happy. I, I really and, and, and truly don't. I have no idea how that's supposed to, supposed to go. But when you see a guy like Trace Gallagher, maybe he never wanted a show. Maybe that's something that just came to him. But he's been there since 96. And I think, I think he's going to be solid. Like, I, I think he's a good dude. So congratulations uh, to him. And people are now texting me and emailing me talking about uh, Dr. Matt Will, the economist, University of Indianapolis. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Got Get get it get a get a used car. Do it now. Buy buy a car uh, now. Someone someone sent me a note. Uh, I'm getting a new Rolex. I'm like, are you kidding? Are you kidding? By the way, I I I've, was I talking about this today? Was I talking about this in the morning? Uh, the Rolex game is a totally different thing than the watch thing. Like like I like a good watch, and I would invest in in, in watches. I, I I would, and I I have some friends who really invest. I'm like, all right, God God bless you. You're tougher than I am. I'm still learning, but like it seems like the watch world and the Rolex world are two very very different worlds. Because I can't figure out the Rolex world for the life of me. I can barely figure out the watch world, and then to try and figure out how to inv- investing in a, in a used car. I mean that's. I don't know. I, I buy what? A classic? Well, now aren't all those prices higher? I I just I don't understand, and I, I I wish that I did. I wish I was better at being able to comprehend the the, the following. And 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 I think people look at me askew when I talk like this. I understand my business. I understand radio. I understand content. I understand its creation. I understand its presentation. Some of it very, very naturally. It's it's innate. But the business of the business, dude, not where I live and breathe. And so I listen to people. I'm like, yeah, I don't understand what you said. I saw there were words out of your mouth, but I have no idea what that means. And people are like, how can you not understand this? Like, what do you mean how can I not understand this? Because I don't. So if you're investing in something, what is that thing and what is that dollar amount? And what do you expect to get out of it? Is this about a return somewhere down the line or is this just about an enjoyment and then you can take the money back and do something else with it? In which case, why did you spend it to begin with? Blows my mind. Also blows my mind that the thing I would get is a 65 Mustang. That's not. I'm not doing that. I'm just not. I'm just not doing that. More to get to. This is Tony Katz today. So Vladimir Putin is going to conscript 300,000 Russians to join the death march in Ukraine. Oh, I'm sorry, is that, is, that a little too, is that a little too on the nose right there? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, what's going on, everybody? The Russians have announced that they are going to force into military service 300,000 Russians. They claim they've identified 25 million uh, Russians that could be part of this, and this is to fortify the troops in Ukraine because they're losing. 
because they are a horrifically put together military. You understand that there are an unlimited number of Russian generals, of Russian admirals who just flat out lied to Vladimir Putin. Oh yeah, oh yeah, the, the force, oh, best force in the world. Oh, you've trained them. Oh, you, 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 you take off your shirt and you, you wrestle them with the, the jujitsu. Oh, you're ju- you have inspired these men like you would not believe. <laughs> these guys are not inspired. These guys are not a fighting force. You could take over Russia in an hour, it turns out, uh, but they do have nuclear weapons. They do have a fair amount of nuclear weapons, and one has to wonder exactly how close we are getting to this reality that nuclear weapons are indeed possible. Because this taking in of 300,000 people, and that's just the start, well, this is to, to uh, show, to engage the idea that he ain't going to give up. He's just going to keep throwing bodies at this problem until he solves it. What's the problem? That the Ukrainian people keep fighting back. He was supposed to be able to take Ukraine in an hour, and it didn't happen. And he doesn't know what to do about it. Things are bad for Vladimir Putin. I had the chance to speak with Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army radio and television military analyst, uh, about uh, the the situation. And we started with just his just casual observation uh, that, uh, if anything, Donetsk and Luhansk, these areas to the southeast, man, he has to be able to control those in order to save any face whatsoever. I, I think that um, I, I think that Vladimir Putin has got to try to get some win, and I think the win is going to be the Donbass region that he's occupied. He's in at risk of losing Crimea. Now that that's a non-starter from his perspective. That's where the Black Sea Fleet comes out of. That that was a leased land that he had from Ukraine before he took it in 2014. If Russia loses that foothold, they lose um, they lose all capability of a warm water port, which is one of those strategic. Um, aspects that, that Russia has to have in order if it's going to project power across the world. So they're in, they're in real danger, I think, of, of losing that whole thing. And a lot of it has to do with the technology. A lot of it has to do with the intelligence. But everything has gone right for Ukraine so far. But again, let me just caution you that Russia still, if they make this a war of attrition, history shows that wars of attrition are won by the countries that have greater industrial capability. And that still remains Russia. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army, West Point military analyst, radio and TV. Uh, I, I want to I go back to some things you said, but when you bring up Crimea, it is Erdogan, the president of Turkey, who is now discussing the fact that Russia has to give up Crimea. What is Turkey's positioning in this strategically? Uh, they've got a lot of say here, and they have only been talking a little bit. This seems to me one of the biggest things they've said thus far. Yeah, that's a great point because it is Erdogan, the leader that can, from the West side, that can talk to Zelensky and, and get him to make certain concessions, and maybe he's the bridge to talk to Vladimir Putin, given the fact that. Erdogan did buy the SA-400 missile platforms, the air defense platforms from Russia years going back. However, they're not doing that going forward. And so, you know, he he's might have pivoted at, at this point. But but I, I'll say this. Vladimir Putin is a, a bright line that he has to have Crimea. He has to have that warm water port in Sebastopol. He has to or else he doesn't have a Black Sea fleet. And it's just it's really as simple as that. Um, it's, uh, you know, whether he keeps the land bridge is, you know, kind of the issue there. Uh, you know, kind of going forward, but um, but right now, what what's preventing 
them from, from taking it is still manpower on the Ukraine side. While they have tremendous intelligence, they're as exhausted. I don't think that story has been told, and, and the media doesn't want to project that story. But I think that the Ukraine military is as exhausted. It's hard to go on the offensive, and they've had, they've had a lot of casualties uh, and, 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 and losses themselves. They would just as soon probably want to take a break at this point. The question is, during this break, how much will Russia get to rearm and fit itself? Now let's get back to something we, we were discussing earlier. You have the Russians saying, you know what we're going to do here? We're going to conscript 300,000 people, basically pluck people out of Russia and say, we claim you have some kind of military skill set. Boom, you're a body that we can, we can afford uh, to lose. You see this mm-hmm. as a sign of, of a, a bit of their desperation, but I want to go over that again. This idea of the war of, of attrition. The Ukrainians have been able to fight back. We saw this in the beginning. We're seeing this over the last month where they've captured a couple thousand uh, of uh, acres or, or, or I should say miles of, of their own land uh, back. They've shown that they can fight when they have uh, certainly the arms to do so, which leads to how how long the United States needs to be uh, supplying them. But in a war Mm -hmm. of of attrition, how does this play out? Because as you're describing it, you're saying that you got to let the body count mount up and eventually the other guy runs out of bodies. Right. Yeah. And and it's that is. I mean, more men on the front lines here does equate to more power for Russia. Russia doesn't care about how effective they are. Ukraine has to care about how effective their fighting force is. They they have to take out certain um, intersections. They have to hit certain command and control. They have to do certain things from a military perspective and hold them. Russia doesn't care about that, which is why this mobilization is, is dangerous from Ukraine's perspective, because all Russia cares about is destruction. All they, all they want is to throw these bodies into the fodder, into the cannon of of, of, the, of the fight, and that's all that will happen, and they have more of them to do that. And so that, that is the issue here, and that's where, again, just look at history. It shows that that, that ends up happening. Uh, Russia can has an endless supply of people that um, unless there is some other revolution. I, I think that um, we're getting closer and closer also to the fact that Vladimir Putin cannot remain the leader of Russia. We won't say that out loud, especially if he uses a nuclear weapon. If he uses a nuclear weapon, then now he's crossed a very bright line. It would be similar to if all of a sudden Hitler decided in the Second World War to stop and say, I'm going to sue for peace right now. One of the things was you've got to go. I mean, he can't be the leader of Germany anymore. So I think that's, that's where we're at. I think that's the quiet part that no one's saying out right now because that would cause further escalation, cause further mobilization inside of Russia. Yeah, but everybody is thinking it. Everybody who's a part of this conversation right now is thinking it. Everybody on the bar stool, everybody at the kitchen table is thinking it. If you take Vladimir Putin, you back him into the corner, how soon before he turns around and says, oh, there's my button, click. I mean, is it? it, yeah, you have to think this is a serious possibility. Where do we think this possibility lies? And again, yeah. as you've discussed before in this show, what are the off-ramps, if you will, at this stage of the game? Yeah. Yeah, so Tony, so nuclear weapons does really two things. The first thing it does is it, it fixes conventional forces in place. Um, he'd have to come up with a target that would uh, knowingly lo- uh, knock out a large number of conventional forces. So he, he'll, he'll be looking for assembly areas and places will cause even attack nuke will cause a tremendous amount of of uh, destruction the question is how does he deliver it if he delivers it with an artillery weapon or a rocket um you get back to he also has to deliver it further enough inside of ukraine where it doesn't 
potentially come back, either fallout or uh, rate ground radiation uh, impact Russian troops on the ground. Uh, I'm going to assume he's not going to kill his own troops. Uh, but the second thing is, I think an overt nuclear strike will turn NATO and the rest of the world into a one big covert operation. I think then it all gets down to decapitation. It all gets down to what are we going to do? Every nation is going to take a run at trying to remove him from the equation at some point. I, and that's really what, what that's going to mean. Um, you know, China possibly could be that peacekeeper in, in here as well. Uh, I think that's the other deterrence that's keeping him from doing it. India and China are not happy about what's going on in the war. But if he gets too desperate and, and pulls that trigger, as you, to your point, you know, presses the button, I, th I think that um, you're, you're going to see a, a, a completely different response from, from the rest of the world. And I think they're going to go right after Vladimir. India and China aren't happy. They're the ones buying his oil. I, I, we have to question whether India is still a friend. They're the ones buying the oil. They don't seem too bothered by nothing. Well, they have concerns. That meeting that took place last week, um, they, they are expressing concerns. India's trying to thread a needle here based on they have a billion people and so do the Chinese. They have to make sure that they're you know, fed and watered or they have revolution there themselves. And frankly, one of the, you know, one of the underpinning of a foreign policy failure of our country for probably the past 50 years, you know, I think we've talked about, we've talked about Cuba, Iran, some of the biggest failures, Vietnam. But I, I also think India has been a foreign policy failure for us, and that's because of our relationship with Pakistan. We, we, we're, we've deferred so many things. We have this relationship with Pakistan in order to try to keep the terrorists out of, out of uh, Afghanistan. But look, that really hasn't equated to anything. And Pakistan and Indian are, are fierce, uh, you, know, death, you know, to the death rivals themselves. And because of that relationship, we've not been able to have a better relationship with India. So in India is going to at least side – uh, with China and continue to buy that because it has to. It has to support its people. It's still a billion people. Uh, just to uh, change gears just for a moment before I let you go, Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army radio and television military analyst. Over at military.com, there was a story about mm -hmm. how the Swiss have purchased 36 F-35 fighters, a $6 billion deal. Um, the, the planes will be delivered between 2027 and 2030. These are planes that are coming from Lockheed Martin. And people are bothered by this because you're the Swiss. You are by constitution a neutral government. 36, three dozen F-35 fighters. You're not close enough mm -hmm. to the Russian border to really be worried. Or are they close enough to, or, or are they dealing with the fact that Europe is different now and they've got to be prepared to defend themselves? Is there a re I'm not opposed to the to the deal. I like six billion dollars going yeah. to the United States. But is there a reason sure. they just bought thirty six of these things? Yeah, a couple of things. I think your first point is spot on in that is they can no longer rely on Germany and any kind of ground forces there. The Swiss still have the the Alps that protect them. Fundamentally, I've actually trained with the Swiss Army, and you would be surprised. People don't realize how militaristic and militarized the country of Switzerland is. There's a 14-year mandatory conscription for every Swiss citizen. Uh, you walk into a Swiss house, there is an automatic weapon that sits in a, in a gun rack uh, right uh, as you walk in the house. It is, it is a complete – I've seen the general defense plan of Switzerland. It's pretty amazing. So that those those airplanes are designed to do one thing, and that is to protect uh, the skies over over Switzerland. As if there's one thing that this this battle has shown, this Ukraine Russia has shown, is that if you want to have a country, you got to control your airspace. And so I, I think that's what's the thinking there. I think it's 
good thinking from their perspective. They are a neutral country that remain a neutral country, but that's not to say they're not militaristic and they'll defend it if they have to. But that's that's controlling the airspace over Switzerland and without buying Patriot missiles or or air defense other air defense platforms. They're going to go fight you air to air. So so good on them. But and that's a that's a great observation from you on that part as well. I think it's interesting while we're complimenting each other. Uh, I think it's interesting that you brought up <laughs> right. Germany. Because there, there is something to be said that through all of this, through this Russian invasion of Ukraine, Germany has turned looked the worst. They 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 weren't strong uh, necessarily from the beginning. This was a country that was absolutely willing to work with Russia and take their energy. Mm-hmm. President Trump was clearly absolutely right. There was a a conversation about whether or not they were really able to engage in defense. Maybe other European nations saying, "I don't know if we can rely uh, on these people to be uh, our leadership." And now you're discussing it in this way: Switzerland not being able to rely on Germany. Is Germany no right. longer a dominant European power? No, not, not at all from a military side. I mean, they, they're hegemonically the economic power just based on their GDP. Um, but but we all know that, uh, that that matters only half in the, in the real world now at this point. I, I mean, the Germans couldn't even put a standing army together. If the Russians decide to fully mobilize, if we go full-scale World War III, if they decide to mobilize, their country. Um, the, 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 I've seen NATO studies that show they'd be in Germany within 60 hours of, of leaving the Russian border, leaving Ukraine or so, getting getting through there if they wanted to. Um, but, but, but that's kind of the classic, you know, warfare, punch a hole in it and see, see what kind of happens. But the bottom line is the German army is, is a shadow of itself from 80 years ago. When you think about how the Wehrmacht was then, they, they, could, they can't even send tanks right now to, to Ukraine to help them as they promised because all their tanks are deadlined. Um, the, the, the Germans live under the cover of U.S. nuclear power that exists uh, in, inside of NATO. They know if they haven't spent money on their, in the military in 20 years. Um, John, Donald Trump was right. They all laughed at him, but he was spot on. And um, the question is whether Germany recovers from it in the next 10 years or not remains to be seen. Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army West Point, military analyst, radio and TV. Sir, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. The charges against President Trump from the New York Attorney General, Letitia James. Uh, I mean, that's going to lead every bit of your social media everywhere. You could argue that it'll be Biden's speech at the U.N. It won't be. It'll be it'll be the the charges uh, from the attorney general's office. Numerous acts of fraud and misrepresentation regarding financial statements. Maybe maybe they're going to defend themselves and it's going to be a thing. And that's. That's going to be it. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. I I have yet to really been able to dig in and see what it is they're making the the, 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 the claim of. Uh, really, it's saying, and I, I've got this here from the complaint, Mr. Trump's statements of financial condition for the period 2011 through 2021 were fraudulent and misleading in both their composition and presentation. So they said they had less money than... They had, or they said they had more money uh, than uh, they had. The lawsuit is seeking at least $250 million in damages. Are you arguing they didn't pay their taxes properly? Is, is this the argument? False financial statements related to the company. You're saying that they had more money than they claimed to, to have had. Okay. 
They want to bar Trump and his sons, Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump, and his daughter Ivanka Trump from serving as an officer of a company in in New York. Oh, you mean the you mean the Trump organization? You don't want them to serve. Oh, this this is it. Trump falsely inflated his net worth by billions of dollars. You mean he saw it differently than you did? I don't know. I guess I'm not surprised by this. If you ask me, do I think uh, whether or not President Trump may have uh, inflated his value, I will say to you, yes. I'm, I'm sorry, am I supposed to be shocked? Stunned? Amazed? Am I supposed to be uh, surprised by anything uh, that 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 happened here? Donald Trump may have inflated his own worth. It, really? I was looking for the sound effect that would work. It's embarrassing. Only for those people who are surprised by this. But if, if, if it's not allowed and you were therefore not paying certain taxes or you were, you were, you were uh, making claims you're not supposed to, you might have to deal with that. I think people will say that's business, baby. And uh, I see people in D.C. Uh, selling stock on their uh, name and on their committees all day long. I'm not so sure this is going to really move people. Find everything at TonyCats.Locals.com. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.